Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. We, we've hit new all-time highs again, just barely this time, uh, but we have hit new all-time highs. We're starting on the second half of this week. The last, last week and the second half of the week, we saw these huge daily gains, uh, I think due to the CBOE futures. And now next week, we have the CME futures coming on. So it could be a wild ride over the next couple days. Just be prepared for that. Um, if you're new to Bitcoin, if you're new to the show, welcome. On this show, I talk about some kind of like pseudo fundamentals, some fundamentals about Bitcoin. It's very hard. Bitcoin is so new and we don't really know a lot uh, about what kind of fundamentals to go off of because we have uh, like adoption numbers, we have hash rate, we have all these different things, but they... But we don't have a long history to see exactly how those affect the price. We know that um, if more people are putting money into it, the price will go up. But how do we exactly get to these things? We're not quite sure yet. Uh, so I do a lot of different prices and price ratios in the show, as well as other metrics and stats about the network. Uh, try to break them down and make them um, uh, make it. Uh, you know, kind of maybe pull back the veil a little bit on what is behind this price, why Bitcoin has jumped up so much in value over the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, then I add some news and some commentary at the end. It's, it's fun and it's fun for me. It's an outlet for my obsession. I've been here for about five years and about two years ago, a little bit less than two years, I started this show and it's been a work in progress. But right now, Every couple times a week, I come on here and I talk about the fundamentals of the show. People seem to like it. People support my work uh, on Patreon. If you would like to do that, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. Uh, you know, it gets me an ex or gives me an excuse uh, for the wife to spend my time in here. I mean, she has liked the price rise, but, um, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time on these recordings and gathering data and all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, if you'd like to support the show, go over there. So let's jump right in. Two, I kind of want to do stories first, but I think I'm going to leave those till the end. Um, let's talk about, so guys, this is not investment advice. Do your own research. All right. Prices. Bitstamp. Uh, I have 16,558. There is a growing um, spread between the different exchanges. Uh, Bifinex is about $100 above that, and I think uh, Coinbase is several hundred above that. Uh, also, some of the Asian exchanges are much higher as well. And over the last 24 hours, we've seen this spread increase because some of the trading pairs that are getting the most volume now are Litecoin to Bitcoin. And we usually don't see that. Uh, back in the day, we saw that sometimes because um, the Chinese exchanges, when they were huge volume, they liked Litecoin. They liked to trade a lot of Litecoin. And so we did see those pairs having a lot of volume. But recently, we haven't we haven't really seen that. Um, I think a lot of this price rise in Litecoin is going to come back into Bitcoin. And I've even seen some things about that on Twitter where this guy's like, you know, thank you, Litecoin, but I'm going to use you to buy more Bitcoin now. So that Bitcoin is the reserve currency here. And uh, Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin is going to be traded in for Bitcoin. Even, even some of these Ethereum gains and these IOTA gains and uh, other things that people have made off these big pumps, they're going to work their way back into Bitcoin. Also, it's interesting. I saw, um, <laughs> so yesterday during the day, the story was all about uh, Litecoin and Ethereum pumping. And now, about 12 hours later, Ripple pumps. 
So that people are rolling it over into Ripple, but also Ripple, I don't even consider Ripple a cryptocurrency. Ripple is like one coin to me where it is all just a, a big multi-level marketing thing. Okay. And so the, the centralized players of Ripple see, oh crap, everything's pumping. We fell out of the top five coins. We need to pump our own coin. And so they'll go out there and do watch trading with themselves. I mean, you can't prove that, but that's, that's my suspicion. And they pump up, pump up the price. I mean, I think that has, that happens a lot in all of these altcoins. Founders, early investors, the big whales, you know, the insiders, that the group of 20 or so people that got early access to all this stuff and have large sums of these coins. They go in there and they pump, they market manipulate. I think Dash is one of the big, well, Dash and Ethereum are two of the big culprits here too, but Ripple, oh my gosh, that is, it's just, it's not a cryptocurrency, people. It's totally centralized. So we've seen that, and there, there's some discrepancy on prices around the world. So, uh, but I use Bitstamp, and the reason why I use Bitstamp is it is the oldest, I think, at this point, now that BTCE has left. Um, and OKCoin okay is kind of, or BTCC, Bitcoin China, that those, they've closed their doors now. So I think Bitstamp is the oldest. It's also, there's no margin trading there. Uh, so it's all spot. And it's a little bit more of an honest price. And so that's why I use Bitstamp. You can also use Bifinex. That has the most volume for the BTC USD pair. So you can use Bitfinex. Uh, you have to find out which you like and which, uh, which exchange maybe you're using, right? If you're using Coinbase, you probably want to use the GDAX number. But, uh, you know, that's personal preference. I like Bitstamp. It's worked for me in the past. And I do like the way that the spot, a full spot exchange like Bitstamp can, you can take that and apply that to other places in the market because it is a full, no margin, just a spot exchange. I like that. Uh, okay, so if uh, Bitstamp, uh, Bitcoin is 16500 that means one finny, which is one ten-thousandth of a Bitcoin, is $1.65. We're approaching that $2 mark on the finny. And uh, I like this because it compares uh, you know, a smaller denomination of Bitcoin to these altcoins. And you can see how a finny can go from $1 to $10 very easily, uh, just like these altcoins have done. And But it's hard to kind of picture in your mind uh, exponential growth at the $10,000 mark. So 10,000 to 90,000 or 20,000, uh, or sorry, 10,000 to 100,000 is much harder to wrap your head around that, hey, we can just go right to 10, right to 100,000. But when you look at a Finney, oh yeah, t one to $10, that's nothing. All right. Anyway, the mayor multiple, this is from Trace Mayer, and this is a fundamental that he uses, which is the, uh, Current price divided by the 200-day moving average. The 200-day moving average is sitting just under 5,000 at 49.38. And so that gives us a 3.3 multiple uh, here on the mayor multiple. Blow-off tops happen, happen around 7, at least in the past we've seen. I think we've seen 9 uh, on this mayor multiple in the past. But the last couple have happened around 7. So 3.3, we're sitting pretty. We have a lot of upward momentum. Um, of course, when this does get up to 5, you know, be watching this. If you're a hardcore trader and stuff, uh, this is definitely a signal of being overheated. Uh, and then when it drops down to like 2 or under 2, that is majorly oversold and you need to buy more. All right, three-month futures. Uh, this is OKEX. Oh, yeah, OKEX. 
17,450. And there's going to be a new contract to this in one day. And the way these, this is a full crypto future. So this is crypto settled and all this on these exchanges. We've had these for a long time. The new thing out is the cash settled on the legacy exchanges like the SIBO and the CME. Though that's, those are legacy major mainstream exchanges. Now this one is a crypto only. It's a new exchange. Uh, and yeah, they have a new contract coming out. So the way it works is three months out, you know, you can buy futures for that three month period. When it gets within two weeks, then it rolls over to a two week contract and you get a new three month contract. So we're going to get a new three month contract tomorrow on OKEX. And it's going to be uh, this particular one is going to be rolled and be the two week one. And then at the one week period, then it rolls in and it becomes the one week one. So it kind of just rolls into the next spot as it goes and yeah so that i'm watching that i don't know what's going to happen this has been a huge three month uh huge futures contract for these people i mean riding it probably from what was it back in october uh gosh like was it four thousand no it's must have been like 6,000 up to 17,000 or something like that uh this is a huge one there's lots of gains to be had here lots of Bitcoins will be sucked off the market, I think, when this rolls over. So um, just be watching out for that. Okay, so that makes a spread of about $900, give or take, less on other exchanges except, you know, besides Bitstamp. So if you take it from uh, the, uh, say, Coinbase price, then it's only like $400. Um, I think this is still healthy. It's a percent, a smaller percentage than in the past. Like in the past, at 3000 if we had a $500 or $900 uh, spread, I would be like, holy crap, that's way too high. This is going to pull back. But up at these prices, 900 is the old 150 or 200 So I'm not too worried about it. I think it's healthy. Plus, there's such a there's such a discrepancy between exchanges right now. Um, it's hard to really gauge that too well. All right, market size. All right, market size. We have uh, Bitcoin's market cap at $284 billion keeps creeping up man we're over a quarter trillion pretty soon we're going to be saying half a trillion dollar market cap global market cap is at this half a trillion it touched 500 billion and it is now at 498 billion um the global market cap is all the altcoins divided by outstanding bitcoin or sorry the all of the altcoins then the maximum's price you divide that by the outstanding bitcoins uh, for that the maximum's price we have 29,700 and 46 29,000 almost 30,000 for a maximalist price that's gigantic um, now remember the reason why i do this um i mean bitcoin maximalist was a pejorative term used by vitalik buterin the founder one of the founders of ethereum because you know people like myself see bitcoin as the one that is the one that is going to maintain, not that I wanted to maintain its dominance, but that it is going to maintain its dominance and using economic arguments and basic understanding of human psychology and things to show that Bitcoin is going to remain the one. Uh, so that's, that's what a Bitcoin maximalist is. And also I believe that all of the underpinnings of all these altcoins rests on bitcoin shoulders they i said in the, i said in the last show i think it was was it no two shows ago they all exist within 
Bitcoin's wake. So as Bitcoin moves forward, it creates this like bow shock, right? And all the coins exist within that wake of Bitcoin. They cannot emerge from that and become the dominant coin because they are centralized or they have bugs or whatever. But Bitcoin is like this robust ball of iron that is flying through the air and the bow shock of it contains these these altcoins uh, if if bitcoin were to go away or if bitcoin were to be hacked or something like that which is very 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 unlikely one in a hundred billion chance probably that bitcoin will go down technically at this time uh at this point if if that were to happen all of these altcoins would just be disintegrated so that's why i call this the global market cap of bitcoin all right, enough on that. Well, let me contrast that. So we have the Bitcoin maximalist that thinks that Bitcoin is going to be the one. And then you have Bitcoin minimalist, which I have on my Twitter profile. I'm a Bitcoin minimalist. And what that means is I'm I'm a protocol minimalist. I think that the Bitcoin protocol needs to be small, tight, robust, and efficient. Okay. And we don't need to scale at the protocol level. The scaling should be done at other levels. So I want to keep Bitcoin small, the protocol very small and tight and clean. That's what a Bitcoin minimalist is. So you can be a maximalist and a minimalist at the same time, which I am. All right. On-chain uh, transaction value. So this is the average value of a Bitcoin transaction on the blockchain. 15,443. It's almost a Bitcoin. And this is beautiful. Beautiful. You do not need to do coffee on a, on the Bitcoin blockchain. We have lightning coming out. There's lots of stuff happening with lightning. Now we have a new spec the, for all these different implementations or you yourself to build your own implementation for your company or something and use the standard. So all of them can talk with each other. Uh, that is out now for lightning and people are actively building, very actively building this. I think we'll see people being uh, using Lightning to take up a lot of this. Uh, if there is smaller transaction demand out there, Lightning is going to start taking that up. But the average on-chain transaction value is $15,000, people. And there was $5.7 billion worth of Bitcoin transacted on the blockchain in the last 24 hours. Difficulty? Um, it went up 18% last time. That was a little bit over a week, about a week and a half ago, a week ago. Um, that means the difficulty to find a new block. That's what keeps Bitcoin transactions ordered and secure from double spending. Um, the difficulty went up 18% last time and it's going to go up. It's estimated to go up another 13% in five days. I have some sources obviously linked down below. Look, look down into my show notes. I have lots of links to look at all this stuff. Um, I also have a new resource page. If you guys are interested in seeing all this stuff, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash resources. And uh, I'm adding to that weekly. I'm trying to get to, you know, one place where I can send new people to Bitcoin or cool links that I like that I want to collect. I, I put on this, this page and I send people there and, you know, there's about two years worth of learning. It'll take you to really understand all this stuff that's on that page. Uh, you can go through the links. It's going to take you a couple weeks probably to get through the links honestly and read into everything. Uh, but you're going to be Zoom fast forwarded to like two years worth of knowledge. So go to BitcoinAndMarkets.com forward slash resources. I link to that down below too. All right. So estimated difficulty, another 13%. And difficulty is a lagging indicator. 
So the price will go up. It'll become more profitable to mine and miners will come on board. Also, you got to think that, you know, they're making projections. They have to acquire the new equipment. They're making projections for their future profitability, et cetera, et cetera, buying miners, getting them online. So th there is a lag time there. And we've, we have not seen the difficulty really explode like we've seen the price really explode. We've seen um, maybe a tripling in the difficulty, but we've seen multiple, like maybe five or six X in that same time of price. So difficulty is going to catch up here. And we're seeing that 18%, now 13%, probably another double digit next time, I'm guessing. Uh, so you know, we'll see these these big leaps in difficulty, which is good. A lot of people have been talking about uh, mining and how wasteful it is. Proof of work is what backs up what mining is all about for Bitcoin. Uh, computers using electricity and making lots of guesses on this math problem. Uh, that's what's burning the electricity. And I've seen things like using the power consumption of ireland for a week i don't know exactly what but it's supposed to be a whole lot now and i talked about this on my last show that's good the more energy that can be put towards bitcoin means the less energy is being put towards wasteful uses because the way a market works and and decides how to uh, distribute resources is the least efficient uses are marginal they get cut at the bottom so Bitcoin's use is the most efficient for those for that. They can bid the highest for that electricity, which means the most value to the economy is coming from that use case. The use cases that get outbid at the bottom are the least efficient use of that energy. So Bitcoin is shifting the economy away from these horribly inefficient uh, uses for that electricity. And if you look at government spending and things and government subsidies, they might already subsidize those low marginal uh, industries and it's then they'll have to increase the subsidy or those industries will fail anyway even with the government subsidy so that's good because government subsidies prop up inefficient industries right it's good to <laughs> it's good to kill the industries that government subsidizes because they're keeping them alive contrary to what the market is telling you there is no market failure those industries suck. They are expensive. They need to be cut. Let's cut the fat. Bitcoin brings us into a future where you have to compete very, like you have to earn that power consumption. It's going to cut all the fat out of the economy, despite the best efforts of government and government subsidies. It's going to take those jobs that are in those marginal, unprofitable inefficient industries and it's going to move them to more efficient uses i think it's beautiful that's perfect that's the way the market works okay what's next mempool 28 megabytes this is about the perfect size i would like to see like about 20 megabytes always uh, be, uh, people will complain and say you can't use bitcoin it's slow and it hasn't been able to scale no we want some backlog we want to have uh, spam be expensive because we don't want these people attacking the network. This uh, fee market plugs a security hole. I mean, anything from like 10 to 20 megabytes is probably really good. Uh, lower than that, it becomes too cheap to spam the network. And, uh, you know, so 28 maybe is a little bit high, but it's good. You're not, look at the average transaction is $15,000 worth of Bitcoin. 
Can you not spend $10, $15 for transaction? Ridiculous. You're not even at like a tenth of 1% for the, for the fee. Of course, if you want to spend $5, you're dumbass and you're going to pay a lot. But that depends. If you're buying um, $50 worth of drugs on the darknet market, you know, with a street value of $50, but you can find it on the darknet market for 10 and you pay a $15 fee, you're still $25. You're half price of the street value of these drugs. Plus, you're getting cleaner, safer drugs on the darknet market with less, much less risk of violence, right, to happen to you. So it depends what you're using these transactions for. Are, are you willing to pay $15 per transaction for a transaction that you cannot do else, uh, elsewhere? I would say so. Because you're, you wouldn't be able to even do it at all with PayPal. And that's why we see these, it has to be censorship resistant first. If you have a centralized system like PayPal, you cannot make certain transactions. And that will destroy your value proposition of being real money, like gold, censorship resistant. You can do what you want with your money. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you guys get a dose of this ideology here too, right? Oh, guys. Okay. Local Bitcoins. This is OTC, over-the-counter trading. So you have trading on all these exchanges. But to get on the exchange, you have to KYC yourself, give all your information. You know, photo ID, mother's maiden name. You have to sign your firstborn child into indentured servitude. <laughs> so basically that's what you're doing when you're a tax slave and you want to remain that way and you want to go this route of these KYC things. You're selling your future. But there's other ways. This is over the counter. That means peer to peer. And the, we have lots of places to do that. The, the most popular is localbitcoins.com. You meet somebody in your local city or your local geographic area and you exchange cash for Bitcoin. I think there's even ways I haven't used it in a long time, but uh, I think there's they do escrow for you. So it is somewhat there is a centralized aspect to it if you want to use those features. Um, but it's it's peer to peer. It's matching you. It's like match.com, but for Bitcoin. <laughs> So, all right. Yeah, they, they hit, they hit, last week they hit a huge new all time high, $88 million uh, in seven days transacted on local bitcoins. And this week they've hit another fresh all time high, $97 million of bitcoin transacted through local bitcoins. It's huge. It's huge. Almost $100 million in seven days. Of course, these are just bare numbers because like, let's say you're a seller on local Bitcoins and you sell to the same person multiple times, like every month they buy a Bitcoin. And so you meet, you're meeting these guys every month. You stop using local Bitcoins, right? You don't need to use them after you've sold to the same person 12 times or something, uh, two times even. And you contact, you are connected outside of local Bitcoins and you can go and sell to them or whatever. So, um, this is a lowball number even for these this local Bitcoin stuff. Paxful is a competitor to local Bitcoins, and they were their all-time high is I think $10 million in a week. Uh, so an order of magnitude 
less than local bitcoins. And I thought that they were going to be really giving local bitcoins a run for their money, but they, they've been going down at the same time that local bitcoins has been up. Maybe because, you know, there's just more liquidity on local bitcoins, more sellers and buyers in your area. And so during this, this huge volume time, uh, these people, buyers and sellers, are moving from Paxful to local Bitcoins. That makes sense to me. But they are down to 7.5 million. So they have gone down uh, 25% from their all-time high. Why Bitcoin, uh, local Bitcoins has just exploded. All right, LedgerX is OTC swaps on Wall Street. And I watched this number. I collected. We, we had a huge, huge day on Monday. Uh, but last week was pretty big. It ended up really uh, quite a bit of volume over the weekend for these uh, 24-hour over-the-counter swaps. Uh, but anyway, Ledger X last week was $6.5 million. And that's interesting. So uh, Ledger X is about to catch Paxful. So I'm going to definitely be watching that pretty close. All right, that leads to a new public OTC data on this podcast as $111 million worth of Bitcoin transacted over-the-counter in the last seven days. And of course, there's m many more places that they can do this. Uh, lots of public or private OTC going on. Uh, but from my numbers, that is what I have. $111 million worth of Bitcoin over the counter in the last week. Uh, BISC, which is a decentralized exchange. Uh, and they do like, uh, they, it's a client that you download onto your computer. And you run it and it has decentralized uh, order book. Uh, decentralized order matching with people and uh, it's pretty cool they their volume has been surging they were stuck around like 20 to thirty thousand dollars worth of volume in a week uh, surged up to two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars in volume in the last seven days so uh, that's growing and I, I like to see that I actually put it in my resources page I put a few decentralized exchanges either that have that are out like BISC or that are coming up so uh, check that out but yeah BISC B-I-S-Q Dot network if you guys want to check it out there's all sorts of ways to pay to through that service all right so that's all my fundamentals don't forget to check out my show notes for links to all that stuff and let's get on to some stories Okay, man, geez, I've been having trouble with YouTube. They flagged my last video. Bitcoin. A lot of my listeners probably like the music that I play and uh, in between uh, these sections. And, you know, I, I pride myself on having good music. I mean, that's kind of like what I listen to a lot. And uh, anyway, the YouTube flagged me and I've been, I hate fucking YouTube. I hate it. But. That's where people find the show. And I don't, I'm kind of on the fence whether I want people to find the show or not. Honestly. I mean, I, I'm not here to be some rock star, right? I'm here just to help some people, um, you know, fill my, fulfill my passion, this hole that I need to talk about Bitcoin. Um, because for years and years, that all, People that listen to this have been here for years. You know this. You have family. You try talking to family about Bitcoin or you um, 
they ask you like, what's going on in your life? You're like, well, I'm obsessed with this Bitcoin thing. And their eyes roll back in their head. And you, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's kind of lonely for a while. Bitcoiners were lonely. That's why we found our outlets on Reddit. We found our outlets on Bitcoin talk um, and Twitter now because it connected these disparate people that were obsessed with Bitcoin. That's one reason why I started this podcast as an outlet for my obsession and to find like-minded people. But um, anyway, so now that's a little bit different. People are coming up to you and asking you how the fuck do I buy Bitcoin? And you're like, well, you're two years late because you got to wait a month to get onto Coinbase, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but so I don't even know if I want people to find this podcast I, I totally appreciate my patrons and and i totally appreciate my listeners that i get but man i hate youtube i freaking hate it jesus man my boy's banging on the floor upstairs uh yeah so i'll probably keep at it so anyways i'll, I'll probably keep at it uh for a little while because i'm not a quitter but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do just like the audio format. I think that is a good way to get across to people and be more intimate. Honestly, I, I think that YouTube is great, but it's not as intimate as audio is. So anyway, that's that's what I'm thinking. So let's get on to some stories. CBOE features obviously have launched. You can go to a link that I have in the show notes to see the prices. I think it's 10 minute delay, but it's almost real time. So you can see that um, open dime. I had the pleasure to be on Meister's show last Friday with the panel and Rodolfo Novak was on there. Uh, he is hu a huge name in the space. He's been around forever. He produces high quality solutions for Bitcoin, right? They had this coin kite has been around a long time. They produced some good stuff back in the day. They had, um, you know, payment uh, service credit card thing that you can pay with Bitcoin early on. I, they've discontinued that years ago, but then they had this open dime that came out, which is a physical Bitcoin stick. You put your Bitcoins on there and it's cryptographically. You can show that nobody knows the private key. Um, so it's like making a paper wallet, but where you can show that nobody has seen the private key and you can hand that uh, open dime to somebody and then they own the Bitcoin you have no way of, of, you know, going back, using the private key and taking that Bitcoin back after you've handed it to them. So it's a very secure way to transfer Bitcoin off chain. It's an off chain solution to scale Bitcoin. But now they're out with this cold card. Uh, I think it's quickly going to become a standard for Bitcoin uh, cold storage, right? Uh, it's almost like a uh, offline computer, like an air-gapped offline computer that's never touched the internet. Uh, very, very secure. Multiple ways. You got multiple accounts, so you can use a different pin and open up an account with, you know, a mill of Bitcoin on it uh, instead of opening up your other account that has three Bitcoins, right? Um, you So it's, it's very, very secure. Uh, you can obviously write down your seed and restore it later someplace else, but uh, a very, very secure uh, cold storage solution, and I've pre-ordered some. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty good standard in the market. Just like Open Dime is a standard for uh, a new use case of the physical Bitcoin sticks. I think this is going to become this is going to give Trezor a run for its money and Ledger. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be able to used for splitting coins. Uh, you'll have to have your own expertise on top of the cold card. Uh, 
Trezor and Ledger kind of spoil people a little bit and make it easy to split your coins like that. I think that's good for Bcash because it was such a high-value fork. I think there will be periodic high-value forks. Like, I think the next fork for... Uh, or the next big upgrade uh, that Bitcoin is going to get is this, I think, is uh, confidential transactions and this fungibility uh, privacy upgrade, which could cause another large fork on the network. And that could be worthwhile to split. But we'll have to see how that goes in the future. Anyway, uh, some other things that I have here. First off, GovCoin. I've talked about this in the past. So everyone, one of the arguments is, oh, the government's just going to make a cryptocurrency and compete with Bitcoin. It can't. It can't happen. There cannot be a GovCoin. I'm sorry. It doesn't work because it's not going to be censorship resistant. It's not going to be decentralized. It's not going to have a fixed uh, amount, uh, a limited supply, right? So what is the benefit of it? There's only, like if you compare it to cash money, the only thing that it has, it's negatives. It's, it's only got negatives. So going from cash to GovCoin is going to be a very hard sell. Maybe they'll uh, do some coercion and force to make you change over to this, this other cryptocurrency of GovCoin. But it's going to be very inefficient for them. It's much more efficient. If you, if you have a centralized, um, centralized crypto, it's fucking inefficient. Blockchains are inefficient. There's no reason to have a blockchain if it's centralized. They're going to find out. Well, why are we even thinking about using blockchain? It's going to cost us, you know, this much more to pretend and to say it's a crypto, right? They're going to go away from blockchain. They're going to end up back at a centralized service. And that's all you can, uh, that's all that we have to say about that. It's, a GovCoin is not possible, at least a GovCoin in the spirit of Bitcoin, right? We already have GovCoin, M like 99% of dollars probably are digital we already have the digital currency with the dollar so why would they go to govcoin it's going to be a very hard sell to get there and it's not going to be anything like bitcoin and any sort of value as high as bitcoin okay so there you have it guys thank you for listening this is bitcoin and markets my name is Ansel Linder. Thank you so much for joining me. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. I, I said on my last show that I might be switching over to drip, which is a Kickstarter kind of thing, uh, or it's, it's Kickstarter created it like Patreon. It's like Patreon, but, um, I haven't decided on that. Patreon is working out. Okay. Right now. Uh, thank you guys for supporting me. Go there and support me. If you guys would like to support the show, you can also go to Bitcoin and forward slash donate. If you'd like to donate Bitcoin or Litecoin, somebody was awesome to donate Litecoin back when it was $50. So I made a little bit of money that way. I Litecoin is my only altcoin that I hold. So, um, and I have two Litecoins now. It's pretty awesome. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening.